Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We are going to be discussing again the nature of those 1,000 years mentioned in Revelation chapter 20. The importance of this question exceeds that of a study in the book of Revelation in that all of your understanding of biblical prophecy is organized around how you interpret what is going on in Revelation chapter 20. And to help you for today's broadcast, we have a handout entitled, Three Views of the Millennium, and you can get a free copy of that handout by sending an email to askthehost at gmail.com. And when we send that to you, we're going to enclose a second handout, which we'll be using in the next episode, and that one is entitled The Three Varieties of the Premillennial Viewpoint. Don't even look if you already have your handouts at that second handout yet, because it's going to confuse you. We're going to try to keep it rather simple, or as simple as we can as we discuss these. Now, just by way of quick review, when we talk about the millennium, we're talking about a 1,000-year period that's repeatedly mentioned in Revelation chapter 20. And the three views of the millennium are, one, the pre-mill or pre-millennialism, and that is the Lord Jesus will return to earth before the millennium begins. It's pre-mill, returning before the millennium. Amillennialism is the fact that the kingdom age, the kingdom millennial age, isn't something yet future. It's right here before our eyes. It's a present reality. And then there's the post-mill viewpoint. And I'm just going to skip that today because what I would like to do is contrast both the amill and the pre-mill. And rather than putting a third into the mix today, I'm afraid that that just kind of maybe put us over the top. But the Amill position, amillennialism, which is, by the way, the Catholic position, but I need to emphasize the question on millennium and the rapture and all this type of thing. This isn't just a Protestant versus Catholic debate because there are many Protestants who hold the amillennial viewpoint. Many of those Protestants are indebted to St. Augustine, just like Catholics are, but you don't hear from them quite as much as you do to the very vocal and very media-savvy pre-mill, particularly the dispensational or rapture-at-any-moment variety. But the Amil says that the kingdom millennial age, that 1,000 years of the reign of Christ, is something present, at least since the ascension of Jesus in around 30 AD. And so at the end of the current age in the amillennial system, as you go down a little bit into Revelation chapter 20, there's a great apostasy, a great falling away, a great gathering of the enemies of God against the true believers. 
Now, in contrast to the Amil, again, the Amil says the kingdom millennial age is right now. It's present. It's, it's the time of the church. The pre-mill viewpoint says, no, that's yet future, that the kingdom millennial reign of Jesus is a future time period. It will occur or begin after the second coming of Christ. So these aren't minor differences because we basically have at least a 2,000-year gap between these two positions. If you're talking about your views of the present and the future, you couldn't be more different, okay? Now, today I'm just going to try to show you rather clearly from Scripture and from the Catechism of the Catholic Church that the millennium is a present reality. And one of the things you're going to find, if you go to the sections of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and all you really need to do, I remember the number 675. That's just my brain can't remember too many references in the Catechism, so I just remember 675. And if I go there, I know that before and after, I'm going to have sections of the Catechism talking about biblical prophecy And if I'm wise, I'll look at the scripture references in the footnotes and connect them to the sentences and statements in the catechism. This is a great way to study biblical prophecy. All right, is the kingdom future from this period of history or is a present reality? I'm going to start with Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. Daniel chapter 2, just by way of summary, mentions four pagan world empires. And the last of the four is, of course, Rome. And it says, in the days of those kings, in the days of those four world empires, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, nor shall its sovereignty be left to another people, It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. The kingdom that God is going to set up will be in the days of the Roman Empire, not some future period of history after the second coming of Christ. It's a present reality. It's been here since the early days of the Christian church. Daniel 4, in the days of those kings, those pagan kings, the last of those four world empires, God's kingdom will be set up. And then probably one of the most important passages, not only in the Old Testament, but for biblical prophecy and understanding even our hymns, our creed, and everything else, is Daniel chapter 7, because it shows from a heavenly perspective, what we read of in the book of Acts about the ascension of Jesus. What did it look like when Jesus ascended into heaven? Again, around 30 AD. Daniel 7 tells us in verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, remember Jesus went up in the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, And he came to the Ancient of Days. Son of Man is one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself, the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom 
that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. These are two critical prophecies about the kingdom of God, and we're basically saying in the days of the Roman Empire, it shall be set up, and Daniel 7 shows us what exactly happened with the ascension of Jesus Christ 40 days after he rose from the dead. It's critical, and he's given the dominion and kingdom forever at that point. Now, how do you know Steve's just not making this up? The Catechism of the Catholic Church paragraph or section 664. Being seated at the Father's right hand signifies the inauguration of the Messiah's kingdom, the fulfillment of the prophet Daniel's vision concerning the Son of Man. After this event, the apostles became witnesses of the kingdom that will have no end. So there you have it. The Catechism is directly teaching what we just mentioned Daniel chapter 7 was describing, the inauguration of the kingdom. Inauguration means the beginning. It will not begin sometime yet future after Christ returns. No, it began after Christ ascended into heaven. These are huge, major differences. Now, here's a very important question, because my passion isn't just to prove somebody wrong. My passion is to help people get to heaven. I think there's going to be a lot of very, very discouraged people if we happen to be living in an age that could get very rough and disappoint a lot of people's preconceived notions of what the future is going to hold. So I like to ask myself, why does a certain person hold a position that I don't agree with, the catechism doesn't agree with, the scriptures doesn't seem to be agreeing with, but why did they hold it? What's, what's their reasoning? So I mentioned last time that the belief in pre-mill was very widespread in the early church. Why was it so widespread? Well, I think if we look at the very opening at the book of Acts, we get a rather clear answer. In Acts chapter 1, it's talking about Jesus teaching his disciples uh, after he rose from the dead. Acts 1-3, he presented himself alive after his passion by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. This is time between resurrection and ascension. And I wonder what he was um, talking about. Well, we're not left to guess because St. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, Jesus, during those 40 days, speaking of the kingdom of God. He was teaching them about this, the kingdom reign. So a few verses later, Acts 1-6, this is where if I was Jesus, I would be stomping my feet, pulling my hair out, and screaming in frustration. Good thing I'm not Jesus, okay? He's very patient. So when they had come together, this is what they asked Jesus. Last question before you go to heaven. Obviously, this is your last shot. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> he just spent 40 days telling about the kingdom of God. This isn't going to be a kingdom like Old Testament Israel. This isn't the Old Testament Israel kingdom now somehow uh, put over the world like many of the pre-tribulation rapture folks believe. 
they were thinking of Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled in a minor way. He was thinking of these Old Testament prophecies of God's kingdom in a major way. The kingdom of Israel was just a prefiguration of what he would do worldwide. So he says to him, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. And you know what? In the book of Acts, one person really got what Jesus was teaching, and he wasn't there to hear it. And I'm referring to the apostle Paul. And you read the very end of Acts. Here he is locked up in Caesar's household in the in the royal palace precincts. He's a prisoner in chains. And it says from morning till evening, he was testifying to the kingdom of God in the days of those kings, not only in the days of those kings, in the city of the king of the world, of the Roman Empire, Paul sitting there from morning till evening, testifying to the kingdom of God. And here's the last words from the book of Acts. And he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, preaching wonder what he was preaching about. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord. And Lord is another way of saying the king, the universal emperor, the Lord Jesus Christ, quite openly and unhindered. The kingdom is a present reality. The pre-mill says it's future. I beg to disagree. They're back on Acts 1-3. I think we should go to Acts 28 and join the Apostle Paul. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 121 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.